0: He's doing something with his hands or something in his it's hands. Stimming. Yeah, I don't know what that is. is yeah, making that heartbreaking discovery in a body of water behind her home. I've lost my son five times. He has never, ever wandered. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Respect the STEM podcast. My name is Captain Jerry Turning. I'm your host. Uh, if you didn't catch episode one, um, if you're kind of doing this scattered, not not going in order, in the first episode, I kind of explained my story and, and, and talked about how I arrived here and why I do what I do and, and my background on this topic. Um short version is I spent a lot of time, uh, writing about, about my, my journey as a special needs dad, as, as an autism parent, um, before I unveiled myself as a police officer, um, built an audience, um, built a following, uh, of, of amazing families around the world who were, were reading and listening to what I was saying, um, on that from that perspective as, as a parent and as a family and a special needs family, I was doing that for, for about a year and a half before I even mentioned I was a cop. I started to get pretty popular. Um, I started to grow an audience and um, I'm really proud of of the community that's been, been built around my, my personal page and the personal side of this. And if you're interested, my personal page is, is titled bacon and juice boxes on Facebook. Um, that experience, uh, coming into contact and interacting with, with, with thousands of families around the world, really gave me a a perspective on on this on this topic that that I really do my best to try to to convey as as a messenger to you um, to apply in in your professional life. Sometimes that message isn't isn't comfortable to hear, but I think it's important that we do hear it, and I think it's important that it comes from somebody like me, who I am an ally of yours. I am. A proponent. I, I am a fan. I am doing everything in my power to to talk to these families and make them understand how how challenging our job is and how we are good people and we are in this profession for noble reasons and and we're trying our best to to serve and protect our communities. And I need you to trust that about me because if I don't establish that with you early and often, then this becomes just another another cop bashing session, and I don't want that to happen. I need you engaged, and I need you to understand that um, criticism of our field, uh, of of us, is not necessarily. I know it's a rough time to be a cop, and we're getting it from a lot of angles, and I, I understand that. But I think we have broad enough shoulders and thick enough skin to to, to listen to to real, um, well-meaning criticism coming from a good place, and and that's. I think something I can do, I think something, I, th- I think I have enough, um, enough credibility with you, uh, to, to be able to deliver this message and have it land right and not have you cross your arms and sit back and say, oh, here we go again. Here's another segment of society telling us how bad we're failing. And That is not my intention. So that message is this, we're losing, we're losing this battle, um, we're losing the the p r war that we are all fighting, whether we know it or not, whether we choose to or not. we are fighting for the hearts and minds of of the the people that we serve and in this world in the special needs world and again, I am speaking with with the authority of having communicated with thousands of these families across the world and it's it spans race it spans religion it spans socio-economic status it spans everything I, i'm telling you we are we're losing um more and more families are are becoming less patient when we when we mess up they're com- becoming less um trusting of us and um it's it's really hard for me to watch happen and these aren't the uh these aren't the bitter disgruntled uh families that are unreachable these are these are the the well meaning families who would otherwise have been good strong supporters of ours these are the donors to our fund drives and and uh and the 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 supporters who uh who put the stickers on 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 back window saying that they support the police these are these are families that we um we need in our corner, and to start losing them is 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 a scary proposition. so what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is here's the bottom line: families by the thousands, and i again i want I want to hit this hard this is it's not a couple dozen families I'm hearing this by the thousands are telling me that they are afraid of us they're scared of us, and um so much so that they are actually hesitating to call. Nine one one for help for, during a, a legitimate emergency. Now I'm not talking about the bullshit. We all know the bullshit calls where we shouldn't have been called anyway. I mean the real, real legitimate emergencies. I'm talking about the the medical emergencies. I'm talking about when their child goes missing. I'm talking about when they're having when their child is having a serious, literal, real emotional crisis that they need help. They are being overpowered in their homes by by their by their adult child who outweighs them by a hundred pounds these families are hesitating to call for help. That does not sit well with me. And I'm banking on that not sitting well with you. And I feel in my gut, I have to be part of the, the process of fixing that. And I, I think I can be. Part of that initially is uh, delivering this message that, that they're afraid of us. Now, I don't think this is a... Uh, you know, there's some issues where there's a, a real problem. I don't believe there's a group of cops out there running around hurting special needs kids. I think this is a perception issue. I think, um, you know how this works. One, one bad incident, 2,000 miles from us, one, one officer has misjudges an incident or is a little heavy-handed, and one bad inc- incident goes viral, and we have to wear that 2,000 miles away on our uniform and carry that weight because we are lumped in with that. That's the nature of this. And that's just part of this. And if you've been on this job for more than two weeks, you you just understand that's just the reality of this. Whether that's fair or unfair is kind of irrelevant. It's it's, it's real. And and you have to at least acknowledge it as a reality. So I think this is a perception issue that when these events happen, when um, <clears throat> when it goes bad, when we make a mistake, we all wear it. And then those incidents become viral sensations on the internet and for some reason i haven't figured out why yet these negative incidents take off like like wildfire and and all the positive the dozens of positive things we do on our shift just kind of die die on the vine and nobody ever hears about them um again that's that sucks but it's it's our reality so because this is a is a perception issue and not a real issue of of, of cops hurting kids. Um, it it gives me a map. It gives me a plan of attack. A part of that is, is, is delivering this message. Like, listen, we have to, uh, we have to acknowledge this and we have to actively and proactively seek to, to beat back this perception. So for me, the first step in that is, uh, asking why, like asking, I mean, thousands, again, thousands, of families, why are you afraid of us? Why are you hesitating to call nine one one during an emergency with your with your loved one? And I get two main answers, two basic answers. The first one is they're afraid we're going to show up at their house, uh, misjudge, misread, mischaracterize their child's behavior, uh, label it in our own minds as um, uh, belligerent as disorderly, as uh, disrespectful, as God forbid criminal, lack the the tools and resources and mental state to de-escalate that situation, apply too much force and hurt their kid. That's literally, you know, that's black and white. And that's what, what thousands of families think is going to happen when they, when they call 911 for help. I get that. I understand it. It's it's pretty clear that that, that's a pretty basic fear. And, uh, you know, I I share that as well as a dad. I'm I'm afraid of that as well. But the other reason that they give, number two, is the fact that they believe that if they call for help and we arrive at their home, we see their home in in disarray. We see them fail in that moment, God forbid, lose their child. We see them uh, not being able to control their family. maybe see a hole or two punched in a wall. Um, We are going to apply judgment to them. We're going to label them as unfit parents. We're going to uh, call some state agency and we're going to have their child removed from their care. We're going to take them away. And that, that again, is literally what thousands of families think of us. Now... how do you solve that well first of all you solve that by doing this you listening and hanging in there this long with me goes goes a long way and you understanding that this is a uh, this is all of our problem this this is this this is a shared responsibility for all of us um so when when we when we think about how we're going to address this the first thing is education so understand that listen, you got to take my class, take my course, invest in yourself. What's it, 20 bucks? If your, if your department won't, 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 won't send you to, to training on this, take, take my course, do it and, and, and go through it. And again, I'm sharing all the material here on a podcast, but you know, go through the course, take three hours and, 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 and take this course and, and get the certificate and get educated on this because so much, so much Good can be done with just basic, simple insights into what this is and what you're looking at and reading it and applying empathy towards it. Um, And this becomes very real for you and and will will apply to these calls that you are dispatched to. I'll give you an example. We get dispatched to a missing person and we're going to talk a lot about missing persons in this podcast and and some tools I can give you to find them quickly. But when you get dispatched to these calls, missing eight-year-old with autism, just uh, just disappeared from her backyard, apply what we just said. Understand that that family is scared to death to call for help because of those two reasons. One, they think we're going to come and show up and hurt their kid. Two, they think we're going to come, we're going to show up, we're going to apply this, this judgment and we're going to label them as unfit parents, see them as failures and take their kid away. Understand by the time your phone rings, by the time your dispatcher receives that call, by the time your radio goes off and you get dispatched to that call, that family has spent at least 30 to 45 minutes looking around for that kid themselves. Calling neighbors, calling friends, calling their spouse, calling anybody that's going to come help, but, but the last resort is calling us. And we should be first call. We are the ones who are supposedly trained in this. We have the assets, we have the technology, we have the, the ability to call in more manpower. We, we should be first. And our reality is, is is we're last. We we're the last resort. And the amount of courage it takes for this family to build up in their own minds and the amount of desperation that has to build in their, in their minds to, to call for help and call us is, um, it's staggering. And I need you to understand, okay, that's that's tough to hear. And I hope that's tough to hear. And I hope that that kind of makes you uneasy. But here's the deal. I I am you. I, I spent 25 years doing this. I was the canine guy who was the who was, I was tasked to come to these scenes and find these people when they go missing. If I'm being totally honest with you, and one thing I can promise you is I always will be, I'm scared too. Guys, I'm scared too. I am not immune to that. I live in the town that I worked in for 25 years. I consider the officers I worked with to be family. And I personally trained most of them on these topics a large majority of them know my son personally a large majority of them have been to my home for a barbecue or a picnic or a dinner i um and i i firmly believe that they are good solid cops and um i'm proud to to work with with all of them but when i'm being honest in reality if if i'm having an issue with my son and i need help with if my wife is is having a problem, my son is six feet tall, 205 pounds. He's, he's a big kid. If she's having a problem with him and he's overpowering her and she, and I'm happen, I happen to be away on a trip or a training seminar or something and she calls me for help, I'm hesitating. I'm hesitating to call for help and call these officers I consider family to come to my home. I'm scared too, guys. I, I'm scared. I'm, and it's not because you're bad people. It's not because they're they're unequipped. It's not even because they're not trained. It's because the nature of this is so fragile, and the 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 interactions here are often counterintuitive. And and like I said in not episode one, a lot of this stuff goes one hundred and eighty degrees, and what they teach you in a police academy will be the the appropriate, uh, way to, to deescalate or, or handle these situations. And my son who's 19 years old, six feet tall, 205 pounds will not respond to you in the way a typical 19 year old will. And the things that we rely on, and you think about it, we dip into this a lot. Your, your authority, your, your, your command presence, your uniform, all of these things that we rely on almost intuitively now, almost unconsciously, we rely on these things as, as assumptions. And When we walk into a house wearing uniform, that person knows we are a person of authority and they have to listen to us. Those things often don't even register with, with somebody who's, who's on the autism spectrum. And when they don't register and you are a human being and you receive this feedback that you weren't expecting and, and it registers with you as belligerence or disrespect or Disorderly conduct or evasiveness—that's a recipe for disaster. And I've seen these otherwise really, really good, solid cops. I've seen cops react to that, to that uh, disrespect, to that uh, outside of the norm interaction from 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 people negatively, and I've seen them automatically escalate to force automatically they have nothing else and for some reason we think as police officers if we drop the magical f-bomb at people that's that'll somehow magically get them to comply and i want to show you in this podcast that often by escalating our voice by escalating our command presence by increasing the torque we put on these these interactions we actually are dumping lighter fuel on them that's our reality now I I know that's pessimistic. I I, I understand, but I um, I have to deliver the message first before I can start showing you and guiding you out of it, and 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 give you the tools and insights you need to to uh, to battle back against that, and and just plant seeds in your head to uh, to be on the lookout for other things, to 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 start applying these clues and insights I'm going to give you that may lead you you on a different path than, than, than what you normally typically would. And I want to say this early and, and, and loudly that I will never ever uh, appeal to a police officer or a first responder and tell you, you have to sacrifice your personal safety or your ability to go home at night on the chance that, that, that individual is, is on the autism spectrum. I will not do that. And I tell parents this, uh, a knife in the hand of somebody on the spectrum is just as lethal as in the hand of of somebody who's high on on lSD or PCP um, we do not make suicide packs and it is not our job to accept danger or 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 injury uh, from an individual who who also has a intellectual disability or a cognitive disability or a developmental disability. So you go home at night and that has to be the rule that will always be the rule. My only goal here is to plant a seed, just plant the seed in the back of your head that that individual, that suspicious person you get dispatched to in in the, in the, in the backyard of, of the sweet old lady on main street. Yeah. He may be a, he may be a criminal. He, He may be a predator, Chances are he is, and I and, and approach those calls tactically, carefully, um, using all your your training and experience, but I just want to plant a tiny seed in the back of your head that when you start ordering this person to show his hands, when you start telling him to, to get on the ground, when he walks away and you order him to, to stop, and he doesn't respond in the typical way, and I call it, a, there's a glitch in the matrix, he's just not, he's not responding the way it, the way hundreds of other people have responded when I've done this, when that happens, I just want this little, this little spidey sense in your head to to, to tingle that okay, I, I got to be careful. I have, this is going. This is this is escalating. I have other tools I'm going to apply, but maybe there is something else here. Maybe this is not what I think it is. Maybe this guy is not a predator. Maybe this guy is, is on the autism spectrum. He just walked out his back door from 10 houses away. His mom doesn't know he's missing and he is, uh, not able, not, uh, doesn't have the ability to understand what, what I'm saying. And again, let me put this out there. This is not an excuse for criminal behavior. People on the spectrum can commit crimes and just like, just like neurotypical people. So I'm not excusing behavior. What I want to try to do is explain behavior. And explain that glitch when you see like, man, that, man, 99 out of hundred people, when I point my weapon at them, they, they, they lie down on the ground and go prone. This guy, this guy's not, he's laughing at me. All right. I want to plant that seed and maybe he's just a, a, a psychopath, but maybe he's also on the autism spectrum and he is not responding to, to these situations in a typical way. They are not registering with him. And if you just have that spider sense tingling you'll consider other options that will not only help him, but, but they may just keep you out of serious, serious issues and serious trouble physically and legally and from a PR perspective. Hang with me. We're gonna get into the nuts and bolts of this now. And I'm gonna give you some insights that'll be eye-opening, all right? Stay safe.